All right, here we go. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasugan. Thank you all for downloading and listening to another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Vasugan. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. Hope your start to the month of August is going good so far as football season is around the corner. As a matter of fact, today is the first preseason game. It'll be the Ravens and the Bears kicking things off and hey look I mean if, if, if you take all kinds of football preseason or not you'll be watching I'll be watching uh, it, it's nice to see football back on the big screen so I'll take it and as a matter of fact I actually found myself watching more preseason last year uh, more so uh, on NFL Network uh, especially during the weekends because they air all of the preseason games whenever they don't have any live preseason games to air they do that more so during the week and it's actually kind of fun to see because you see some former Chiefs that you end up seeing on other teams and you, you kind of get curious to see how they do or if they have a good shot at making the team. So I always get interested in that kind of stuff. Never really said that before, uh, but hey, look, I'll take all kinds of football uh, nowadays. Uh, it's just you love the sport more and more every time you watch it. You miss it more and more during the offseason. So uh, preseason or not, football is back and I'll definitely be watching. And training camp. Of course, obviously underway. The last time we spoke, we talked about the Chiefs just starting things out in training camp. Uh, A few players had already reported to practice, and there was a possibility of Bashad Breeland signing. So far, nothing has happened. Uh, If you told me a week ago that he would still be available, I would say there's no way that's the case. But that seems to be the case right now. So we will talk about that in just a moment, plus... I have some interesting numbers that I saw. I was in Vegas over the weekend, and they have some pro football regular season props uh, in terms of you know who will have the most passing touchdowns, receiving yards, rushing touchdowns, and a few Chiefs were mentioned for some of these prop bets that you can make in Las Vegas. I'll read you what the Venetian and the Palazzo Sportsbook had for some uh, pass catchers for the Chiefs and what they think their chances are. As far as being a league leader in certain stats, we'll get into that later on. Plus, Patrick Mahomes, some good and some bad with him so far in training camp. We'll talk about all of that. Plus, one newcomer on the defensive side of the football getting a lot of praise. And I think this is a player who is probably going to be one of the more highlighted newcomers uh, as far as guys uh, who went to another team among all 2018 players from this past offseason. I'll tell you who that is and why I think he's going to have a great year with the Kansas City Chiefs. All of that and much more on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. If you want to interact with me, you can do so in a couple of ways. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vasugin. That's my Facebook page. Like and follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21. Plus, you can email me, farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. So in the month of August, we've already got a couple of guests confirmed. Matt Derrick, uh, a guy whose work that I have been following for a very long time, does great stuff with Chiefs Digest and the Topeka CJ. He is going to be on this podcast next Wednesday. So Matt Derrick will be on right before the first preseason game to talk to us, and then later in the month, after the third preseason game, the third preseason game happens on the 25th of this month, and 
shortly after that. And again, the, the 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 scheduling with the podcast is going to be inconsistent, so bear with me on that. But I'll let you guys know in a week in advance when these podcasts will be out. But shortly after that that third th- preseason game, Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict, the editor of Arrowhead Addict. And one of my colleagues, of course, uh, being an, uh, a writer for AA myself, he will be on this podcast. We'll talk about that third preseason game at, as it, it is normally the more significant preseason game for all 32 teams. We will touch on that. Plus, uh, we're getting on a couple of other guests to join the podcast before the regular season kicks off. So hopefully we can get more. Uh, I've reached out to a couple, uh, had some interactions back and forth. Nothing confirmed yet, but uh, we'll definitely have more throughout uh, all of training camp leading up to the regular regular season, excuse me. And one final note before we do get started with the podcast, if you guys are MMA fans, this is going to be a big week for mixed martial arts. So if you're a fan of MMA, the UFC, and if you haven't subscribed or if you haven't listened before, check out my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone podcast. That is also new and released out today as well. We will be previewing UFC 227, two title bouts taking place this weekend. Also talking a little bit of PFL. For those who don't know PFL, uh, that's the Pro Fighters League. And uh, there is actually one fighter on uh, on the PFL roster. Name is Jason High, uh, fighting out of Lenexa, Kansas. I think he goes, uh, they introduce him uh, out of Kansas City, but he fights out of Lenexa. He has an American top team gym in Lenexa. And he is going to be in the main event for that one. Former UFC fighter, now uh, taking his... Uh, fighting skills to the PFL. He's been with the PFL for a while, back when it was called WSOF, so we'll preview his fight as well, plus much more in the world of MMA. Conor McGregor might be back, so uh, we'll see if the uh, Irishman and Khabib Nurmagomedov will finally get that fight underway. So we'll talk about all of that on the Cage Zone podcast. Check it out if that is something that piques your interest. Let's start things off with Patrick Mahomes because th- this has been the transition to Mahomes. We went, we had Alex Smith, of course, for five seasons in Kansas City, and now the Chiefs are making that transition from Smith, trading him to the Washington Redskins, and now moving on with Patrick Mahomes, who the Chiefs traded up to to get in the top ten, a tenth overall in last year's draft, and. I don't want to. I don't want to touch too much on this part, but you know, years down the road, I think a lot of people are going to look back at this and say, uh, you know, Andy Reid either made a great bold move, Andy Reid, and obviously John Dorsey was a part of it as well, despite no longer being with the team. But you know, I mean, everyone has a hand in the, the decision making. I think you know, uh, the GMs usually making the calls with these draft picks. I think that gets taken out of context sometimes, because I'm sure Andy Reid and the rest of the staff, they have a, a, a say in what the Chiefs do with their draft picks. But I think people are going to look back and say, was that the right move? Was that the right move to take Pat Mahomes before Deshaun Watson? Uh, I still remember when the trade happened, and a lot of people thought it was for sure Deshaun Watson, but sh- sure enough, it ended up being Pat Mahomes and so far, at least this year, the Pat Mahomes era, off to a rough start here. We talked about the interception woes he had in OTAs, and those have carried over immensely in training camp so far. In six practices, and by the way, this is on the front page of ESPN.com, in six practices, Mahomes has thrown seven interceptions. And at one point in Wednesday's practice, one of the interceptions he threw 
was due to the fact that he called uh, the wrong play in the huddle, was expecting a completely different route from uh, one of his receivers, and that led to an interception thrown to Leon McQuay. Uh, and he had a wide open hole that he could he could have ran, but decided not to. Uh, ESPN's Adam Teicher asked him about that uh, after Wednesday's practice. Uh, here's the audio from ESPN.com. Teicher asking Mahomes about that, uh, that interception and what Mahomes should have and could have done instead. Yeah, I mean, that was that was on me. I, I, easily, I easily could have ran it in. We went a lot of period, and I kind of didn't want to hear the defense talking trash to me for running in because they can't tackle me. And so I threw the ball, but, I mean, you've got to you play your game. Play play the game how it's supposed to be played. Don't try to force something in because they can't tackle you. And it's just something I have to learn from, and, and hopefully the game I just run it in pretty easy. Feel like you would have done that if this been a yeah. I, I, that's the first thing I said when I came to the sideline is I would have just I would have just ran it in. But uh, they they said that we'll then do it. Don't don't train bad habits. And so for me, I just got to keep working on just just running in, knowing they can't they can't really tackle me. But at the same time, that was the play that needed to be made on that one. Okay, so he didn't run it in because, you know, practices, of, of course, are, are a lot different. And I will say this, too, because I, I put a tweet about this out there. You know, we've got to be careful with training camp hype and OTA hype. I remember in last year's OTA, uh, people were talking about how great Tyler Bray looked. Where's Tyler Bray now? I mean, we saw what he did in his NFL debut in Week 17 when the Chiefs pulled Mahomes a little too early. And they put in Tyler Bray. And we all saw what happened there. He fumbled it. Denver scoops it for a defensive touchdown. And, of course, he's no longer with the team. Uh, I remember several years ago, uh, a Chiefs red coder was talking about how great Brody Croyle looked in OTAs. And I've shared the story before. And and I'll say, look, I I get that a Chiefs red coder is an ambassador for the Kansas City Chiefs. They They have to help. Sell tickets. They have to help engage interest. They ha- they need to get fans excited for the Kansas City Chiefs. They can't go out there and say, "Yeah, well, Brody Croyle looks good, but it's just practice." Whereas, you know, that's something that I I will say. Uh, you know, a lot of times with these practices, yes, there is a defense there too that you're going up against and making these plays against. But the defense isn't going to light up. You know, uh, Tyree Kill, if he's trying to make a spectacular one-handed grab, because that's their boy. That's their teammate. They don't want to injure him, obviously. They, I mean, they'd be hurting themselves in doing so. I've seen Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know, he, he's been getting a lot in the highlight reel, making one-handed grabs. But look, in a live game, that defense is going to get in his face and try to make sure he can't make that play. So, I, I, I'm, and, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here and try to say, hey, look, don't get excited at all. I, I mean, football is back, essentially, at this point. Uh, sure, there is no offseason, but this is really the end of the offseason where uh, you have all everyone on the team practicing and getting ready to go and getting ready for that first preseason game. So everyone is excited, and I get that part. I, I really do. But look, all 32 teams, uh, some are going to be great, some are going to be bad. They all have highlight reels. They all have. They all look really good, and if we take their highlight reels from training camp and expect great things, well, then everyone's going to finish sixteen and zero, maybe fifteen and one. Obviously, not a realistic possibility, uh, but that's that's the vibe that you know I, I see from a lot of NFL fans when they talk about 
you know, big highlights from camp and some of the uh, videos that go viral on social media. So, so I, I try to be very, I just try to be very minimal about that kind of stuff because it is practice. Uh, and Mahomes kind of said, hey, look, I didn't run it in because it's unfair to the defense. And Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, uh, he had his press conference and discussed Mahomes' struggles and said, look, six points is six points, however you can get it. And he knows that next time, if there is a big hole like that, Mahomes will run it in. And if defenses close in on him real quickly, obviously a receiver is going to be open as long as he's behind the line of scrimmage. He actually made a, a touchdown play similar to that in uh, the preseason last year. I think he threw it to Marcus Kemp in the end zone for a touchdown. So uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully you're learning from your mistakes in practice. We're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Yeah, courtesy of Allen Iverson. As a matter of fact, when I mentioned this topic, somebody actually posted the gif of uh, of, uh, of Allen Iverson saying that, and look, I, I think it's a valid point. Listen, I know with KU basketball, a lot of fans panic way too early when the Jayhawks suffer a, uh, a loss, um, you know, in November. And, and I always say, look, you know, better to suffer these losses Early, better to go through these, through these struggles early, learn from him as the season goes on, rather than have it happen in March. Uh, you know, same thing could be said now if you want to look at it from the other side and say that, hey, uh, you know, he, he, he's throwing all of these interceptions in practice. He's not going to be an, an interception-free quarterback during the season. He'll throw some. And listen, I, I've said this for a while. Mahomes is going to struggle in the first four games. He's not going to... Be very consistent. I don't know exactly stat line what we will see from him. But the Chiefs are going up against some really good pass rushing duos within the division, might I add. So he will be tested. And I I, I do think Mahomes is going to get better. But I can see him, you know, when I say struggling, I think he'll, he'll just have an up and down first quarter of the season in the first four games. And my, my concern is that not so much with Mahomes' progress. I think he'll get better. But my... Bigger concern is with the fans. Listen, we're in an era now with social media and, you know, ticket prices and empty stadiums. They certainly speak volumes. A lot of coaches in the NFL, you know, if they they don't do well in their first year with the team, boom, you're out. Uh, You see this with a lot of players, too. They sign a a three-, four-year deal. Even with a hefty contract, teams will try to get away from that as much as possible because of one bad season. So, uh, and I know I'm comparing one season to one quarter of a season, but uh, sports fans are impatient, especially here in Kansas City. People have wanted a quarterback to be drafted in the first round for a very long time. Finally, got that wish, and everyone, after you know, seeing Mahomes sit back for a year, everyone wants to see him excel right away. And I think that's an unrealistic expectation. So, listen, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. If Mahomes does well in these first four games, if he he's poised and calm in the pocket, dealing with the pressure that he'll be facing in those first four games, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be in for a nice, fun season. If he does well to start off the season, if the Chiefs start off 3-1, and one, and if Mahomes has a stat line of, boy, I don't know, seven or eight touchdowns and maybe two or three picks in the first four games, I will take that. I would consider that a big success for a redshirt rookie quarterback to start off a, a, a first quarter like that against some of the defenses you're going to be facing. I'll certainly take that if Patrick Mahomes does well. 
Now, there have been some positive things coming out of training camp as well from Patrick Mahomes. A lot of highlights of him throwing deep passes to Tyreek Hill. Uh, of course, I, I would say one of the more exciting things we saw, probably the most exciting things we saw, maybe right next to Kareem Hunt's emergence uh, and some of his long uh, touchdown runs, uh, probably was Tyreek Hill and the deep pass touchdowns we saw Alex Smith through throw excuse me to Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill was quoted saying something interesting. He said something about how Mahomes is the first quarterback with the arm strength to be able to hit him inside, in stride, excuse me. And Tyreek Hill clarified it's nothing against some of the other quarterbacks who he's played with in the NFL and in college, but Mahomes has just been the perfect guy for him to work with. Now, look, I remember Tony Gonzalez when he went to Atlanta after he got traded from Kansas City during the offseason, uh, his first offseason with the Falcons, he said that Matt Ryan's the best quarterback he's ever played with. Now, of course, I mean, when you're in the moment, you want to be optimistic. You want to say great things about your current teammates, for sure. Uh, you know, I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to say, well, Mahomes is the second best. The, the the number one best was Alex Smith, the guy who the team just traded away. He'll never say that, of course. Uh, but at the same time, I think it, it, the quote that he gave, uh, what he said, is certainly representative of what he did on the field with Mahomes so far in training camp. Uh, we have seen a lot of these deep passes to Tyreek Hill so far. And if Alex Smith did a great job of that with Tyreek Hill, and if Mahomes is doing a better job, certainly we're in for a very exciting season seeing Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes work together. And I, I said this in the offseason, and I'll say it again. I have Tyreek Hill as the guy winning the Derek Thomas Award for 2018. This is an electrifying, elusive football player. This is a guy who can do a lot of things, whether he takes a handoff or whether he's catching a football, returning punts, kickoffs. This is a guy who does a lot on offense and on special teams. And I'm excited to see what he does with Patrick Mahomes under center. And listen, let me just say this. I really hope there are some trick plays installed. And when I say trick plays, I'm, I'm, I'm talking Smart trick plays. Now, and I'll say this about trick plays, uh, and let's go back to last season where Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey both threw interceptions on some some funny trick play attempts that the Chiefs drew up. If those plays worked, Andy Reid's a genius. But because the Chiefs had a very funny offensive formation against the Giants when Kelsey threw an interception, Andy Reid was a big moron. Uh, Tyreek Hill throwing an interception in traffic, on a toss, he got with Andy Reid's an idiot. Why would you even draw that play up? But if it works, if Tyree Kill throws it to the end zone, if Travis Kelsey connected with, I believe it was Albert Wilson or Demarcus Robinson, if, if any if any of those or both of them work, Andy Reid's a genius. That's just how it happens sometimes. Doug Peterson, if... I think the Super Bowl is actually a great example now that, that I bring it up. Tom Brady... The Patriots had a really funky play where they threw a pass to Tom Brady. And it was overthrown. He he couldn't pull it in. But the Eagles, Doug Peterson said, hey, look, you want to try to attempt that? We'll do it even better. They had Nick Foles putting on a, a good acting role, trying to call a play. He actually lined up as a tight end, got wide open. And he got that touchdown grab right before halftime, and D Doug Peterson was a genius. Look at another Super Bowl, I, I think a very bold move, and I think one that definitely paid off, was what Sean Payton did against the Indianapolis Colts 
uh, almost a decade ago when they went for that onside kick at halftime. Who goes for an onside kick at halftime at a Super Bowl of all games? And it worked. But if it didn't, if it did, if it didn't work, a lot of people are going to question Sean Payton, especially if the Saints lost that game. So, going back to my point about trick plays here, considering what you have on this offense right now, you've got a you you've got two speedsters in Tyree Kill and, and, and Sammy Watkins. You've got one of the fastest tight ends in the NFL and a guy who has 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 a rocket arm, as we saw in last year's game against the Giants in Travis Kelsey. And of course, never forget what you have at running back in Kareem Hunt, the uh, league leader in rushing yards last year. Sure, Ezekiel Elliott suspended. Look, I mean, you, you can't apologize if someone's injured or, or suspended. You just got to go with what, what you have. And uh, Kareem Hunt ended up being the league leader in that last year. And of course, and I'm not, I don't want to just mention Kareem Hunt and nobody else. Running backs just tend to do very well under Andy Reid's offense. My point is, this is going to be an offense. You have a lot of great playmakers this is a great opportunity for the Chiefs to work on some trick plays here. Charlie Weiss, he was very good at that in the NFL with New England and in Kansas City. Not so much at KU, though. But hopefully Andy Reid can kind of install that. When I mentioned the Chiefs part for Charlie Weiss, I remember the um, the Wildcat play where uh, I believe it was... I, I can't remember who took the snap. I want to say Jamal Charles? Not exactly sure, but that was the game where... Matt Castle ended up getting the football and threw a deep pass to Dwayne uh, Bowe in the end zone. Uh, and that was in week three where the Chiefs uh, went to 3-0 and and had that early lead in the AFC West. But uh, hopefully the Chiefs can come up with something. Because if they don't install any trick plays with this offense, and, and if they don't utilize them during the season, I think that's a big missed opportunity with this Chiefs team in 2018. So hopefully we can see some of that because there is the potential for this offense to be great. And, you know, I know we're going into details with X's and O's here, but it's hard to, you know, I try to avoid those detailed subjects because I I never played the game. I've never coached the game uh, at any level. But with this offense, it's hard to not think about it. This might be the most exciting offense we've ever had here. And there have been some exciting offenses in Kansas City, especially under Dick Vermeil. Uh, when Joe Montana came here, uh, Len Dawson, of course, can never forget that era of Chiefs football. There have been some good offenses uh, in Chiefs history, but it's hard to think of a time where the Chiefs have had top five players at multiple positions on offense, at, at running back, tight end, and wide receiver. Uh, it's just a quarterback. You you want to make sure he does well. And I do want to respond to a couple of you guys on Facebook Uh one comment, Kiri, I do want to go back to the Pat Mahomes interceptions. She mentioned, why isn't this a positive stat for the defense? And I think that's a valid question here. It is a positive stat for the defense. Look, if a guy makes a mistake, you take advantage of it. I know Tim Tebow was criticized heavily. People did not want to give him credit because the Steelers bit on a play action in that playoff game where Tebow, when he was with the Broncos, found, I think it was Demarius Thomas wide open and they won the game in overtime in just one play. Look, uh, it doesn't get noticed as often, but Tom Brady, the reason he makes so many great plays is because he takes advantage of defensive mistakes. 
A lot of quarterbacks do. That's how a lot of those quarterbacks get some of their big plays. Because of defensive mistakes, just doesn't get mentioned as much. People want to talk more so about Brady's reads and the the, the receiver he's working with and all. Uh, and sometimes, you know, analysts, when they show a replay, they'll show the defensive mistake. But they highlight more of the offensive side than they show the defensive mistake. So, you know, if Mahomes is making mistakes... Uh, against the defense, sure, yeah. I mean, you you take that and you accept that. And for the defensive coaching staff for the Chiefs, they it becomes more difficult because they know there are guys who will take advantage of a mistake and makes it harder for them to want to trim their roster when it's time for the 53-man roster cut. Uh, but they expect those guys to be able to make the same plays if they see a quarterback making similar mistakes in preseason games and when it counts for real in the regular season. It is a concern still because this is a quarterback who you invested a lot in trading up for uh, in last year's draft and you want to see progress be made uh, with mom. Let me just say this. people: When someone's struggling in practice, people say, well, it's just practice. It's just a preseason. No one cares. But if someone's making great plays, hey, everyone's celebrating. Hey, hey, hey. Bring out the the party hats, the streamers, the balloons. Everyone's going to be excited. People felt that way about Mahomes last year. And I said, look, great plays, but they are exhibition games here. We we can't forget about that. He's going up against backups. When he does take the starting reins in Kansas City, he won't be doing the, the same plays against starters. And maybe he does, and that's great, but he'll have to gradually get there, I think. So I try to be cautious with that as well. So, uh... Yo, defensive players making plays, you take that. You, you they, they never apologize for it. I, I say that time and time again. And uh, hopefully Mahomes can learn from these mistakes. I do want to say this. Eric Bieniemy did say something very interesting. And I will say this. I don't care if you have seen every single snap in training camp. There are things that coaches see that fans and the media don't. Eric Bieniemy said that He's not seeing Mahomes repeat any mistakes. And he actually referenced the seven interceptions. And he mentioned that all seven of those interceptions, each of them happened for different reasons. Now, could he be covering that up and just not wanting Mahomes' woes to be exposed? Possibly. Is he being honest when he says that? Possibly. That that could be the case as well. I don't know. But when a coach says that, I think you should, you know, confidently take their word. This is the coach under Andy Reid's offense. I think we've got to keep that in mind. So, of course, we should take his word uh, for, for what it is. And I, I certainly do trust Biennemi and Andy Reid in, in helping Mahomes make some progress and do well in, in 2018. And hopefully we can see Mahomes improve in training camp and in preseason games before the regular season gets underway. As always, I want to hear your guys' response to these kinds of topics. Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzinvesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email Farzine at Farzinvesugian.com. I want to switch gears and go to the defensive side of the football. And I'll, I'll start with the defensive backs because the media has been talking about them a little bit and they've had a good camp so far. Danny Emerson, he's been going up against Tyreek Hill, has not been a very easy battle for him, of course, and never easy for any cornerback going up against Tyreek Hill. Uh, but he's been, he's been getting some praise, Kendall. Fuller's been looking good so far. Steven Nelson even showing improvement so far in training camp. Uh, and listen, I know what we talked about with practice and, and how much do we get excited for all of this. But at the same time, I think this is a very important training camp for Steven Nelson, who had a phenomenal 2016 season, 
But I think he took a big step back in 2017. So the improvement that we're seeing from him so far, I think is certainly much needed. And you hope that carries over in the preseason games and in regular season games. And by the way, I do want to note one thing because I keep mentioning preseason games. A lot of people get shocked when they see someone have a great preseason, but they get cut. Keep in mind, it's not just the preseason performance that matters. A lot of people aren't at training camp practices. There are a lot of things that happen in in practices that we don't see necessarily. Maybe some fans do because they buy a ticket and they go and they watch. But there are a lot of things that we we don't actually see and that, that that leads to surprises when some of these cuts are made. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you do get surprised by any roster cuts at the end of training camp. Now, staying with the defense, there is one defensive player who I think is going to make a big impact in Kansas City, and I think really turn things around after a big step back for the defense in 2017, and that's the newcomer from the Dallas Cowboys, Anthony Hitchens, who's already a signal caller for the Chiefs in training camp. So, that's that's a big role that you're giving, especially to a newcomer. And Anthony Hitchens has handled that role pretty well so far. Keep in mind, I, I want to praise his toughness here because he suffered a tibial plateau fracture, uh, basically a leg injury, in the final preseason game against the Raiders of all teams last year. He was supposed to miss eight weeks with the Cowboys. Instead, he only missed four. And despite missing the first four games, he still finished second on the team with 84 tackles. Second on the team for the Cowboys defense. And he and Reggie Ragland both were very underrated and both very quietly good against the run last year. Neither of those guys played in week one last year. Now these two are expected to be beside each other for the first defensive snap of 2018 in the regular season. This is going to be very intriguing to watch because Derek Johnson did a lot of great things when Romeo Cornell came here. He definitely helped him improve as a linebacker. And now that you're you let go of Derek Johnson, and not only that, you also let go of Rameek Wilson, who started beside DJ last year to start off the season in, in Foxborough. You've got two new linebackers here. Reggie Ragland, again, very underrated, did some great things last year. I don't think a lot of fans really noticed that in Raglan last year. But I think he and Hitchens are definitely going to be probably, it may remain under the radar. Maybe people are going to take notice in it. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to look. But those two guys, I think, will be a top five inside linebacking duo among three or four defenses. And it's not easy to have. Two really good players play at a high level playing the same position. You don't see that often. You don't get two Pro Bowl receivers or two Pro Bowl tight end. You don't see that stuff often. Two Pro Bowl quarterbacks. The Chiefs did have uh, two Pro Bowl outside linebackers for for, for a couple of years, actually. And Tabahali and Justin Houston. Everyone remembers that and just how great that defense was with those two guys playing. And I think the Chiefs can have similar qualities from the Holly-Houston duo with Hitchens and Ragland playing on the interior side with the linebacking corp for Kansas City in 2018. I'm excited to see, and I've got to say, if there's any player that I'm excited for the most uh, as far as newcomers goes 
free agent signings, uh, trades, and draft picks, it's Anthony Hitchens. I know a lot of people would say Kendall Fuller and Sammy Watkins, and Hitchens might not be one of the guys that a lot of people would would think about or or his, his name would come to mind first. But to me, Hitchens is a guy that I think could be the best newcomer. I know in, in sports, uh, college sports, we always have the uh, newcomer of the week for the Big 12, uh, those kinds of things. If there was a newcomer of the season award that teams handed out, and maybe some teams do, some don't. The Chiefs only hand out the Derek Thomas Award and the Mackley Hill Award, the MVP and the Rookie of the Year Awards. Uh, but if they had a newcomer award that they awarded, I would guarantee you that Anthony Hitchens would be awarded that as long as he stays healthy, he definitely would be uh, the guy that that would receive it. I think he's going to do some great things and help this defense turn around. I talked about some of the defensive stats, the Chiefs being in the uh, in the high 20s, uh, pretty much in the bottom of the league in a lot of categories and total defense against the pass, against the run. And they need to improve in all of that. And I think they will. And I think Hitchens, as well as Ragland, uh, with those two guys being beside each other, I think they're going to make a big difference in Kansas City's defense. I think you've got a good secondary, a very underrated one in Amerson and Fuller, and hopefully Steven Nelson's improvement can continue. Eric Berry's coming back to the fold. Let's not forget about that. And I do want to mention this. I tweeted this over the weekend. Keep in mind with Amerson and Fuller, these two guys, of course, new cornerbacks for the Chiefs. They're both going to be playing under a coach they've never played uh, under before, and that's Emmett Thomas as their secondary coach. And I feel like Emmett Thomas did a lot to help guys like Brandon Flowers, Eric Berry do well. I still think Flowers and Berry would do well if they played for a different secondary coach, whether here in Kansas City or elsewhere. But at the end of the day, I think Emmett Thomas himself has made a big impact and has helped these guys even more. Don't forget Al Harris. Long-time successful cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. Also played for the Dolphins and the Rams. He's also part of the secondary. He's actually the assistant uh, secondary coach for the Chiefs and also the cornerbacks coach. Uh, So you're learning from two very good guys. Two very good former defensive backs in the NFL. In Emma Thomas and Al Harris. And I think that's going to bode well for guys like Amerson and Fuller. Uh, and hopefully, Kansas City's front seven can improve. You've got Breland Speaks, uh, of course, your top draft pick. You've got uh, D Ford. You know, hopefully, he can recover from from that bad season he had, dealing with the injuries he had with his knee. Hopefully, he can go back to his 2016 form and do it on a consistent basis. Uh, and of course, you're banking on Justin Houston, hopefully, going back to his 2014 form. And the Chiefs have said that they have a plan to help Houston get back into that elite Pro Bowl form that he was once in. Now, I know that's a lot of ifs I'm throwing at you, but the Chiefs have kept these guys for a while. They let go of guys like Ron Parker, DJ Tamba, uh, you know, traded away Marcus Peters. I know that's a disappointing one from the defensive uh, departures, but that's what they believed in. And with this defensive staff they have, the personnel they have, they feel pretty good about it. And hopefully, you know, we see guys like D Ford and, and Justin Houston play at the highest level that they've shown that they can play at, because that will bode well for Kansas City's defense. If you have a great pass rush, especially if you have multiple great pass rushers, it's going to make everyone on your defense better. It really will. And it's definitely going to help these underrated quarterbacks who the Chiefs have. And of course, Eric Berry, I think, will, will, will be a monster once again, coming back from his injury. Now, I do want to talk about Bashad Breland, as he did stay uh, in St. Joe for a couple of days 
visiting with the Chiefs. In fact, he was on the sidelines right beside defensive coordinator Bob Sutton watching Chiefs practice. And I thought, look, if he's doing that, he has to be on the team. I mean, they have to be negotiating the contract and all he needs to do is have his agent and uh, Brett Veach agree on a number and have him sign the damn thing. But not the case as Bashad Breland did go visit the Indianapolis Colts, but it appears he's not going there. Uh, keep in mind, he did sign. I mentioned this last week. He did sign with the Panthers in the offseason, but because he failed his physical, the signing was voided. And the Panthers just recently lost a cornerback in Ross Cockrell. And because of his injury, there was some speculation that Bashad Breland and the Panthers maybe try things again. Uh, but 24-7 Sports is reporting that it's unlikely that the Panthers will make another attempt in signing him back to the Panthers. Not exactly sure what's going on with Bashad Breland. A lot of times when I type his name up on Google News or, or on Twitter... It's always the Kansas City media who seems to be talking about him the most. And I know I follow a lot of people in KC, but there are some people who I don't follow as well that I noticed that he's getting a lot of a lot of discussion. And you don't see as much discussion about him with other media outlets such as in Indy or in Carolina. So I'm not exactly sure what the weight is right now, being a week later. But hopefully something does get done because I don't think... You can never have enough cornerbacks, especially in this past heavy era. I, I think the one thing that I say the most is this here. You can never have enough defensive backs. That's why I was so excited with Amerson and Fuller because I thought Peters being part of that mix, Kansas City was going to have the best group of cornerbacks. Unfortunately, not the case, but uh, you, you get the idea. Uh, I, I just don't think you could ever have enough cornerbacks, especially nowadays. Some teams have two Pro Bowl or at least two top-tier wide receivers on their team, or in Kansas City's case, uh, sure, yeah, you got two top-tier speedsters in Watkins and Hill, plus a, a, a Pro Bowl tight end in uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, and of course, Tyreek Hill's a Pro Bowler as well. Uh, so defensive coordinators, they, they want everything they can get uh, for a secondary. Going up against all of these teams, these offenses that do have multiple Pro Bowl pass catchers that they're going to have to deal with. Now, another, second, uh, another uh, defensive back who the Chiefs could have gotten, but they didn't. Matt Connor, who, again, I mentioned, uh, we'll have on later this month on the podcast. Trey Boston, who was the number four rated safety by Pro Football Focus. He just signed a one-year deal worth $1.5 million. Signing with the Arizona Cardinals now. He can make up to $3 million, according to uh, Pro Football Talk. But, uh, you know, the point is that that base salary of $1.5 million, uh, Matt Connor compared it to Chuck Hendrick West's contract, who's scheduled to make $1.45 million. And he asked, how are the Chiefs not taking advantage of this safety market here? Uh, especially when there's a wide open hole right beside Eric Berry. Uh, we're seeing Armani Watts get some first team reps. The rookie out of Texas A&M uh, t- taken in the fourth round. Uh, Robert Golden, who has gotten a few starts with Pittsburgh the past couple of years and is now making his way to Kansas City. Uh, he's seen some first team reps as well. Leon McQuay as well. Uh, Trey Boston would have been great for Kansas City, I think. And I think he, he Matt Connor, uh, he, 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 it's a valid question. Why, why didn't Kansas City take advantage of this? If you look at the NFLPA salary cap report, the Chiefs have $8.1 million in cap room. That's the sixth fewest in the NFL right now, according to that public report. But you can still make uh, some solid deals with that. At least could, could have gotten Trey Boston with what you have in cap space at the moment. And so I think that is a missed opportunity for Kansas City. 
Uh, and listen, I like Charkandrick West, and I'm sure Matt does as well. I don't think he has anything against him. Uh, I, I thought West actually did well as a number two running back last season, but uh, people say this a lot, and it's not a very popular phrase, but this is a business, and there are tough decisions that teams have to make, such as letting a, a, a player go that a lot of people like, uh, a lot of coaches like, a lot of the teammates like. Um, and that could have been a move maybe Brett Veach could have made, uh, letting West go and taking advantage of the uh, safety market with Trey Boston getting a $1.5 million deal on a on a one-year agreement too, by the way. So not exactly sure if the Chiefs had any interest in that or if they were aware that his asking price was somewhere around there. Not exactly sure, but I think it is a valid question that Matt asks. And uh, maybe we'll discuss that. Maybe we'll look back at that uh, when he comes at the end of the month, uh, as we'll discuss, Kansas City's drink a lot. There, there's a lot that we can discuss by that point. So I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll look at some of these things and see how the Chiefs do. And maybe even talk about some potential surprising cuts or players that could surprise us and make the 53-man roster. As we will be very close to that uh, by the time we have him on. So uh, we'll have Matt Connor on later on. As, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Matt Derrick. We'll be on. Yeah, we're getting the mats on the podcast. Maybe we get Matt Miller on too this month. Who knows? But uh, we're still working on a couple of other guests, like I mentioned, uh, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, we we end up getting a couple of those guys at least. But uh, nonetheless, uh, going to be a very exciting month for the podcast. Uh, a lot of guys we'll talk to, and next up will be Matt Derrick. We'll have him on on next week's podcast. It'll be actually uh, next uh, Wednesday is when the podcast will be out. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of these things with Mahomes as well as Kareem Hunt, who the Chiefs have been cautious with, with his injury that he suffered in OTAs. Uh, but a lot to look forward to with this Chiefs team. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine 21, and my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. We've talked about this a couple of times. Le'Veon Bell... Uh, holding out not at Steelers training camp. In fact, he was seen recently at a nightclub, having a actually at a strip club more specifically, uh, having a jolly old time. Uh, had some hands-on fun with uh, with a woman at the club that he videoed or somebody videotaped, and people are making a big deal out of this. Listen, Travis Kelsey a couple of years ago, right before Christmas night. When the Chiefs and Broncos played each other, Travis Kelsey was out at Westport, and uh, a former editor of mine, uh, whose name I, I will not give the uh, exposure on this podcast, he actually made a big deal about that. I guess a friend texted him and said, "Hey, look, Travis Kelsey is at Westport drinking, roughly 40 hours before the Chiefs and Broncos played." And this e- former editor of mine was basically trying to make it seem like Travis Kelsey's not taking the Broncos seriously, and he's going to have a bad game. Sure enough, Travis Kelsey just ran over the Broncos' defense like it was a high school football team. Listen, Le'Veon Bell, he's not at training camp. He believes he's worth more than what he's getting paid, so good for him. If if he truly believes that, then keep holding out. But I trust that he is working out. You know, we see these videos of guys, it's not like he was doing anything terribly wrong. Or breaking the law. He, I mean, he's not out there drinking and driving or getting arrested for violence or anything. I trust that during maybe an hour or so before he hit the strip club, I'm sure he was working out. He, I'm sure he's eating right. He's staying in good shape. 
so that way he can be ready by the time he gets the deal that he wants or whatever he wants to end his holdout. People make a really big deal as to what, what some people... I know Jimmy Garoppolo. People made a big deal about how he was on a date with a porn star. So what? He can go out with whoever he wants to. I don't think that's going to deter how he plays. I think a lot of people make a big deal out of women being a distraction for uh, an athlete. And people said that about Eric Hosmer when he was dating Casey McDonald a couple of years ago in Kansas City. I know they're back together, but people made such a big deal about that at the time. And there was statistics as to uh, Hosmer's decline ever since they both posted Instagram photos of, of, of the two together. So uh, people really need to realize. I'm sure Le'Veon Bell is doing what he needs to do during the days. And I'm sure at nights he's maybe hanging out at a strip club. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe elsewhere. But hey, uh, good for him. I'm sure he's going to be ready by the time he, he ends his holdout, whenever that will be. Another player holding up, by the way. This one's actually more interesting. Khalil Mack. He actually has not spoke to new head coach John Gruden, who, of course, one of the more successful head coaches in NFL history and a guy who's a football mind that a lot of people respect. Ian Rappaport reported the two sides, Mack and the Raiders, have not had any contract discussions since February. Not exactly sure how that pans out or how that affects the Chiefs with the AFC West, of course, Khalil Mack being a Raiders player, but that's going to be one of those things. Listen, uh, I get Mack, and, and I remember a couple of years ago, he was one vote away from beating Von Miller and winning Defensive Player of the Year. And had he won that, he probably could have had a new contract by now, but unfortunately not the case, and he's still trying to fight his way around that. So we'll see how that all goes. Eric Decker, by the way, last topic I want to talk about. He worked out with the Patriots. Potential replacement for Julian Edelman as he's serving a suspension. Now, Decker has had flashes in his career with the Denver Broncos, the New York Jets, the Tennessee Titans. Perhaps he can get some consistency going in his playing career with Brady as his QB. We've seen uh, some receivers do much better with Brady as their quarterback. Obvious why. Uh, and listen, I think that would help the Patriots, and I think that would be great for Decker. And I think you know he's had some really good seasons and some quiet seasons. I think that he, playing with Brady could be the best season that he will ever have in his career. So if he signs with the Patriots and, and he is that fill-in for Edelman, uh, and I'm sure he'll end up staying with the team if he does well, but I think he could have the best season of his career with Tom Brady as his QB. Let's go out of bounds. Some sad news, Mike Moustakis, no longer a Royal, has been traded uh, to reunite with Lorenzo Cain. So some Royals fans are happy about that. Uh, But look, the core Royals players outside of Salvador Perez and and Alex Gordon are gone. Uh, HDH, that bullpen you had, uh, Hosmer, uh, Moustakis, Cain, really the core players that helped the Royals go to -to back-to-back World Series, they're gone. Uh, and listen, I, I mentioned earlier, it is a business. Uh, sports fan, uh, the business side of sports can be very brutal to sports fans. We forget about it sometimes, but things can turn around pretty damn fast in sports. People thought this Royals team would continue their dominance going to the World Series back to back years, winning the American League for two years in a row, and get, uh, getting a World Series title. Uh, but they only fell apart uh, for various reasons, of course. But I'll say it again, because uh, I have said this before. I really hope people in Kansas City enjoyed 
that run the Royals had in 2014 and 2015. Even in 2016, no, they didn't go to the playoffs that year, but the excitement was still high because they were reigning champs that year. Unfortunately, we don't get special things like that often with pro sports in Kansas City. So if it happens again, or when it ha- when it happens next, whether it's the Royals again, or if the Chiefs are next in line to have something special like that happen, enjoy the moment. Enjoy every second of it. Not every sports franchise can have the glory of what the New England Patriots have, of consistently getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, there are some teams that are very fortunate to have that. Uh, I said some, and yeah, I should say very few, actually. Uh, you know, the Cavaliers had it for a couple of years. The, the, the Golden State Warriors have had it now for a couple of years. Uh, the Miami Heat, when LeBron was there, they had it for a couple of years. Uh, enjoy those moments because it's very hard. You don't see it often. I'd be interested to know how many pro sports teams have appeared in championships for two or more years consecutively. Uh, Kansas City's certainly one of them. New England's one of them. Uh, Cleveland. Uh, uh, in basketball, uh, the Miami Heat. The Warriors. Uh, of course, the Lakers. Uh I mean, some of the teams in recent history, I believe that I want to say the uh, the San Antonio Spurs have appeared in, in back-to-back championships, uh, NBA Finals, not sure, but you get the idea. These things, you know, they happen often, but uh, not as often. It doesn't happen to a lot of sports teams, is what I'm trying to say. So the next time you see a pro sports team from KC do well, or, or whatever, whoever your team is, enjoy that ride, because... Things can quickly shoot all the way down like it is for the Royals right now. So always enjoy these special moments in sports because they may not happen again. They may not happen for a very, very long time. Uh, One big story, by the way, that came out. Ohio State placed head coach Urban Meyer on administrative leave as there's an investigation uh, from Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of former OSU assistant Zach Smith. She claims that several people close to Meyer knew of a 2015 domestic violence allegation against her ex-husband, Zach Smith. Uh, Apparently, these issues, uh, according to reports, started back in 2009, but Meyer knew about some of these more recent ones. And Brett McMurphy, who reported this, he tweeted that if it is true that Urban Meyer knew about this, he would violate violate some of the rules that placed in his contract and uh, could be set up for termination. And listen, domestic violence, very, very serious issue, so should definitely be looked into. Uh, Analysts are actually saying, you know, this could be career-threatening for Meyer. Not only could could he be out of OSU, but maybe could be out of coaching forever. Who knows? Let me just say this. From the investigation side, um, if Meyer is found guilty in all of this, I can see one of the punishments from the NCAA being that Ohio State's wins being vacated from... 2015 to now and to me that does nothing what does vacating wins do I know they did that with Penn State for all the years Joe Paterno was there then they restored them and to me that that did that did nothing I, I, I really I mean am I really gonna sit here and say KU football had more wins than Penn State no absolutely not uh to me vacating win like it's in the record books it's it's history I don't think you can, quote-unquote, take away wins. Uh, I just don't think so. Uh, I don't know exactly what happens. I'm sure Urban Meyer and Ohio State's 
football staffs, whoever was aware of this, they'll 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 be punished for this. But uh, vacating wins, I can see that being part of the punishment. But to me, that does absolutely nothing. Everyone's gonna know what Urban Meyer's real record was. So that does nothing. One final topic. I know the music's over, but I want to talk about this LeBron James story. As it was a couple of months ago where Laura Ingham of Fox News went after LeBron James uh, saying, hey, you know, stick to sports, shut up and dribble. Uh, You know, we hear this a lot, stick to sports, to athletes. And if they really did, they wouldn't be doing some of the special things. Athletes make a lot of money now, not just from their teams, but also with endorsements. And LeBron James being the best at what he is, and say what you want about his finals record and how it's not indicative of how he's the best player statistically today. But what he's doing right now with this elementary school that he's opening, I remember when it was first talked about that he was opening an elementary school, people didn't really know what exactly the goal was in all of this. But now that he's spoken about this and a lot's being said about this, it's really special to see. Especially in a world where we see a lot of the negativity, it's nice to see something like this, where he's opening up an elementary school in his hometown of Akron, Ohio, and the goals that he has in wanting to help these kids with their futures and wanting to set them up for life. And, you know, you don't have to be the best at basketball or the best at football to do this. Sure, LeBron James making millions, and now now after his Lakers contract, he's considered a billionaire financially. Uh, sure, maybe it's easier for him to do, but you can team up. Uh, I mean, for example, maybe Trent Green teams up with some of the other former quarterbacks uh, that, that played during his era. Guys like Peyton Manning, Jake DeLome, uh, Brett Favre, uh, they team up and do something similar like this. Uh, of course, those guys made a lot of money during their playing careers, and sure, they don't have LeBron James type of money, or, or you know, Tom Brady makes, of course, a lot of money from playing for the Patriots and his endorsements, and of course his wife being a supermodel, worth more than he is, by the way. Uh, You know, more athletes should be doing things like this. Because a lot of people talk about how, you know, police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, uh, they have very grueling jobs, and it can be taxing mentally and emotionally for them, and they don't make a lot of money for it. And look, I get it. There isn't a market to expose those people as there is for athletes with... You know, Under Armour wanting to sponsor some of these guys. You get the idea. But I think it's very cool that LeBron James is doing this. And I I remember Greg Popovich said this. If you're rich as hell, you better donate or do something good with your money to help the world out. And LeBron James, hopefully he paves the way. And other athletes, other celebrities who have all this money that they have, will do similar things that LeBron James is doing because I'll tell you what, especially in this world that we're in and how divided we are personally, politically, and in so many other ways, things like this can actually help close those gaps and bring us back together one way or another. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. How about we stick to the topic of education? Uh, kind of funny how we go from how, you know, opening an elementary school is great and all, but there's one school district, actually a couple school districts in South Carolina that want to impose a rule in which there won't be a quote-unquote snow day necessarily if the streets are bad and students have to stay home from uh, from school, then schools are going to require their students to complete assignments from home. 
isn't part of the fun of going to school and all these things. Isn't part of it, you know, the fun of it to have some snow days, especially on a Friday or a Monday where you would get to extend your weekend. You know, if it's a Thursday and you learn about it, oh, okay, well, you know, Thursday night, you know, why, why even go to bed early? Hang out with your friends uh, who live close to you. Yep. Play in the snow. Enjoy that. You know, stay up late at home. Play some video games. Whatever you want to do, watch some TV and not have to worry about waking up early Friday. I, I mean, now you're just taking the fun away. Part of the fun in snow days is to enjoy that time not having to go to school. I remember when I was a senior in high school, and this happened to my brother as well, coincidentally, neither of us got a snow day our senior years of high school. And part of the fun, especially as a senior, you don't have to make up for that unless you have an enormous amount, but that's very rare. Uh, or at least in the Midwest, it, that, that's rare. Uh, but come on, uh, look. And I get snow days. It's not fun for people who do still have to work uh, out, out in the streets, uh, police officers, uh, crew members, uh, you know, if, if, if people out there collecting trash. Uh, you, you still have to be able to do those things. Uh, but kids don't care about that stuff. They don't know a lot about that. They, they want to have fun and enjoy that day of not having to go to school. And these the school districts in South Carolina, uh, they're party poopers, man. They really are. Ah, uh, Metal World Peace. Run our test. Whatever the hell you want to call them. So he's playing uh, in the Big Three League, which is three-on-three basketball, essentially. And Charles Oakley... Uh, who's his head coach in this big three league, he spent 60 seconds. It felt like a lot longer. People were actually starting to boo him. He spent a minute trying to make a substitution happen. He was trying to get Meta World Peace off the court. Meta World Peace was refusing. And, I mean, it it basically got pretty ugly. Meta World Peace, I almost called him Ron Artest, but he finally got off the court and... He and Charles Oakley, I mean, they went back and forth. They weren't necessarily jawing, but Meta World Peace expect, expressed his frustration of being taken out. Look, you're not the coach, dude. Um, if you want to stay in the game, you know, have your own team and, and have some sort of rule where you are the coach and you are also the player or you're the player and you decide substitutions. Uh, not sure if that's possible, but listen, if you're a player and you're playing for a coach, you got to go out whenever he tells you to. You just have to. Final one for me. Uh, this one's very interesting. Uh, so uh, this happened at a McDonald's, I believe in Las Vegas. Not 100% sure, but a customer, I guess, is you know at her seat eating. And she's barking orders at a McDonald's worker. Who, by the way, this worker is basically as big as Shaquille O'Neal. Or The Big Show from WWE. So the worker has, I mean, she's fed up at this point. This tall, you know, it looks like she could be in the WWE. This big woman comes over, approaches her. The uh, the customer starts throwing her drink because she's scared for her life. Then she gets her tray and uses it like a steel chair from WWE. Now that I've made that comparison twice. you With the tray, hit her right in the face. The worker doesn't even get phased by this. She launches a plethora of punches at this woman, basically pushing her up against a table, lifting her up, doing whatever she wants to do. Uh, People are trying to break it up. A manager comes over, actually starts hitting this woman in the face. 
then at one point, I mean, the, the, the customer doesn't care about the manager, funny enough. She just wants this worker. So the customer grabs uh, one of the stools, threatens to hit her. The worker just simply yanks the chair away from her. And the customer at this point pretty much knows, like, okay, she's she needs to stop. Because if she tries anything else, this could get ugly for her. And surely no one ever wants that. But here, here's the thing. If you're going to use your tray, your, your food tray, as like a as like a, one of those folding chairs from WWE, and if you're going to hit someone in the face and not even do any damage, you just flat out fail. Well, what, what's the point of even doing that I mean, swing hard it looked like she swung hard I'll, I'll give it to her from the video it looked like it but it didn't even phase this woman and hey look I mean whatever she was complaining about it didn't seem like she was in the in the right and was in the wrong customers are not always right folks not always uh but this woman man uh she took uh she took a beating she took some uh, punches to the face and just from the the way it all looked it seemed like she deserved it not advocating for violence, unless it's, you know, sanctioned, you know, with a referee and all that stuff. But uh, sometimes some people just have it coming for them. They really do. Uh, one of the funnier videos you'll see on the internet. It seems like there's a lot of these nowadays. I try to have my phone ready just in case things like this happen when I'm out and about. Because uh, it'd be fun to have one of your videos go viral. And I've had a couple of videos go viral, but never for like a, any any anything funny that takes place out in public. But hey, who knows? One of these days. Uh, people should always have their phones ready just for altercations like this. Because you never know how viral it can go and just the, the fun of it that could come with that. You never know. But nonetheless, uh, that woman certainly did deserve the beating she took from from the worker. Uh, before I sign off, I, I forgot to mention this early on. I teased this and didn't get to it. But there are some prop bets that you, uh, you can put. Uh, and these are the odds from the Venetian and the Palazzo in Las Vegas. But uh, here are a couple of the interesting ones uh, in which Chiefs players are a part of. Uh, As far as listed players for most receiving touchdowns, DeAndre Hopkins leads with 5-1 odds. Behind him, Jimmy Graham, 7-1. Antonio Brown, 7-1. Devontae Adams, 8-1. And then you've got Alshon Jeffrey and Odell Beckham Jr., 9-1. Then you've got A.J. Green, Doug Baldwin, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, Those guys are ahead. Then you have Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins, plus Nelson Aguilar, both 15-1 15 to 1 odds to lead the NFL in touchdown receptions. Tyreek Hill is on that list as well, 25 to 1 odds. Uh Jordy Nelson ahead of him at 20 to 1 odds. Uh Tyreek Hill also listed as possible players to lead the league for most receiving yards with uh 12 to 1 odds ahead of him in order Michael Thomas 10 to 1, Adam Thielen 10 to 1, Odell Beckham Jr. And Keenan Allen, 8-1. DeAndre Hopkins, 4-1 odds. Julio Jones, 6-1 odds. And Antonio Brown, 3-1 odds. Then we get to the running backs. And Kareem Hunt, he's on the list as guys who could possibly lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Not not rushing yards. Uh, Or, excuse me. uh, Yeah, most rushing TDs, excuse me. Uh, But he's not listed for rushing yards, interesting enough. Uh, But anyway... Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's ahead of him just a bit at 2-1 to one odds. And Kareem Hunt, second on the list at 5-2 to two odds. Are these 
prop bets you would make. Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzinevisugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at Farzinevisugian.com. Let me know what you think of those, and if those are any prop bets you would make for any of those Chiefs players. Hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Visugian, the host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday. We'll talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest and the Topeka Capital Journal. He'll be on the podcast. A lot to talk about with him as the first preseason game will be coming up at that time. If you guys want to interact with me, facebook.com slash farzinevisugian, twitter.com slash farzine21, and my email farzine at farzinevisugian.com. If you haven't, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit the share button. Share it with your friends on social media. Text it to your friends. Whatever you got to do, spread the word about the Chiefs on podcast. Let your friends know as we are getting closer and closer to kickoff with the season underway. First preseason game is today. Enjoy it if you're listening to the podcast later. Hopefully you had a chance to watch a little bit of it and enjoyed it. Nonetheless, football is back, and that is good to see. Talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend.